Welcome to the Chrisman Commentary Daily Mortgage News Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Chrisman. Topics on today's episode include rent versus buy, my interview with Black Knight's Frank Poise on what lenders need to do to be ready to adopt AI solutions safely, and the latest inflation reading. Today's podcast is brought to you by Simple Nexus, an Encino company and award-winning developer of mortgage technology for today's modern lenders. Simple Nexus unites the people, systems, and stages of the mortgage process into a seamless end-to-end solution, from point of thought to post-close. Learn how the homeownership platform can improve loan production, lower operational costs, increase referral volume, and enhance customer satisfaction. Learn more at simplenexus.com. People move, population shift, baby boomers favor Las Vegas, and Tampa well millennials prefer Austin, Texas. The question is, do you have the products to offer them or the branches to cover them? Bank of America Institute's new analysis finds pandemic migration trends continue with faster population into Sunbelt cities. As of the first quarter, despite affordability issues, cities that saw an influx during the pandemic are still growing faster than other cities in recent quarters. This trend includes Austin, Texas, which saw the largest inflow of residents at more than 5% during 2020 to 2021 and was up 1.5% over the past four quarters. Both millennials and baby boomers are leaving larger cities like New York, San Francisco, and San Jose, California, the analysis notes. All three saw the biggest outflows of people during the early years of the pandemic, and the decline continues to be highest among major metros in 2023. As one would expect, rental prices are strong in these cities with positive resident inflow, helping LOs in making the rent versus buy discussion. According to Kiranos, May 2023 funded mortgage volume decreased 37% year-over-year, but increased 23% month-over-month. In the retail channel, funded volume was down 44% year-over-year and up 23% month-over-month. The average 30-year conforming retail funded rate in May was 6.36%, down 1 basis point in April and 136 basis points higher than the same month last year. Kiranos sources a statistically significant data set directly from lenders to produce these benchmark figures. For today's interview, I wanted to welcome back to the show Black Knight's Frank Poise to talk about what lenders need to do to be ready to adopt AI solutions safely. He's a business strategy director managing product development for Black Knight's Origination Technologies division, responsible for its digital origination products and the company's artificial intelligence platform, AVA. He's a mortgage banking innovator with a 30-plus year history of delivering technology solutions and his expertise in origination, sales, operations, and capital markets. He joined Black Knight's team through the Compass Analytics acquisition in September 2019, and his most previous role was Compass's chief revenue officer responsible for sales and marketing. Frank, I'm very happy to have you back. Today's topic is, what do lenders need to do to be ready to adopt AI solutions safely? You and I had previously talked about differences between AI and automation, and how AI is uh, going to be regulated here by the government. And so I want to start by asking you today, lacking any concrete regulation, because we're not quite there yet, 
what can lenders do today to safely adopt AI solutions? So as we mentioned uh, in the last session, there's a lot of, uh, there are a lot of things that go into building an AI that lenders can and should control. Uh, the first of those is what data is going to be used to train your, your any models that you use. Um, but the, the most important thing that you can do as you think about applying AI is to understand where the risks are. Um, so under, in order to understand risks, you have to know how to talk to a vendor or how to use the technology yourself. Um, so if, and there's, there are differences in terms of, of your approach, depending on whether you happen to be building a model with somebody's technology or using a service that includes an AI. So today, lenders can start coming up to speed on how to pick an AI vendor. What are the competencies of the vendor that are going to be important to you in order to make sure you are working with somebody who's going to deliver a product that can meet future compliance needs? As it can be as simple as having a conversation with them about uh, things like the current trends in AI, but more important, it should be about how that company offers something called explainability or transparency. So having an, un having an understanding of the fact that any model, can't, you can't really test one of these models. Any model that you get needs to be able to be explained. And all the regulators are talking about this as part of the, of the regulatory guidance that they plan to give in the future. Um, the, the idea of explainability is central to knowing whether or not an AI that you use is going to provide you results that are consistent with your business needs, including regulatory compliance. There's a lot of unknowns out there, and it seems like that'll be the case for a while. So uh, I'm going to ask you to speculate a little bit here and, and say what potential pitfalls should lenders avoid or, or have on their mind uh, when they're going down this path of adopting AI solutions? So first, everything that says it has AI doesn't necessarily. Um, so as you talk to a vendor who offers something that, that purports to be AI-based, uh, make sure you understand the place of AI in that software. Um, so for example, in the domain of underwriting, um, there are lots of, of claims made about how underwriting can use uh, use AI to get faster and better. And uh, you know we offer solutions along those lines, um, but you have to make sure that you understand where AI should and is used in that solution and where it should not be used in that solution. So you might have a, a solution that comes to you that says, oh, the AI goes and does X. Well, should the AI go and do X? Should the AI be making a decision about what income to count or for, uh, for a borrower? Or should the AI only be assembling the list of documents that contain, that contain information that can be applied to determine that result? Um, the basic question, you should ask yourself the basic question, is, is the thing that I'm doing able to yield to traditional software? Can it be if-then-else logic? And if it can, then anybody saying they're using AI for it is probably you know, telling you something that's, that may or may not be true or may or may not be consistent with good governance of, of systems in this regulatory time. 
So, uh, so think about what you're doing before signing that contract and make sure that, that the use of AI that they're talking about is something that's consistent with your, uh, your, your tradition of, of service to customers as well as uh, regulatory compliance. Uh, you know, if, and also, you know, the other thing, the other big pitfall is to not ask that important question about transparency. You have to, you should ask really two or three, two or three important questions. Number one, how do you explain your model? Number two, how do you train your models and what data do you use? Number three, how do you use my data? And number four, models always have the possibility of drifting. They can introduce bias or they can become less performant just because of changes in underlying data. So always ask the vendor or ask your team, how do we manage drift so that we know when we have to retrain a model to fix problems that have crept into it? So if, you, if you're talking to a vendor or if you're working on using AI yourself, those questions are critically important. I mean, there's a lot of potential pitfalls out there. Is this all worth it for lenders? What, what is, in your estimation, uh, is sooner better than later? Obviously, you've outlined a lot of steps uh, to help them adopt these AI solutions safely, but uh, it still seems like something that uh, could scare people. It, it does. It is pretty scary, and especially if you uh, if you listen to some of the um, some of the large companies that are ringing in on this. You, we hear warnings about how AI can be abused um, to do things like create all new, all kinds of new kinds of spam. How it can be be used for um, for spreading um, you know bad information. Uh, and many other ways where consumers can be harmed and industry can be harmed by the improper use of AI. Um, is it worth it? Well, yes. It's like any other technology that uh, that comes onto the scene. You know, you you can resist, but it's futile. To kind of paraphrase a Star Trek reference, but um, but the truth is, AI is here to stay. It has tremendous value today. Uh, in handling things like documents and doing voice recognition and doing uh, and, and doing image manipulation and image recognition. So there's tons of opportunity. We as an industry just have to get our arms around how it can best be used and then apply it to places where it's a straightforward thing to apply. You know, like in the document domain uh, where we operate heavily now, it's really uh, it's really a straightforward use case. It's one that doesn't create uh, this kind of regulatory risk um, that everybody's concerned about. The models can be uh, can be relatively easily explained, um, and even though the investment can be very large, the payoff for industry uh, is is enormous. Just being able to to drive down turn times and and save companies money. Well, people will have to join us in a couple of weeks when we have you back on to discuss the regulatory environment and what parts of the origination cycle AI will benefit first. Thanks a lot, Frank. Thanks. It's crunch time. Consumer prices today, followed by the latest Fed decision and Chair Powell's press conference tomorrow. Following 10 consecutive rate hikes, there's cautious optimism that the Fed fund's rate may be approaching the peak of this tightening cycle. However, the Fed decision and hawkish-dovish tilt of the summary of economic projections will impact rates for the foreseeable future. 
Even if the Fed opts for a pause in its interest rate hikes, a more prolonged break from the Fed's aggressive tightening stance is unlikely, and expectations for another 25 basis points increase in July remain in place. After tomorrow's Fed decision, the central banks of Europe and Japan hold monetary policy meetings later this week. Getting a little ahead of myself here, when's any homeowner with a 3% mortgage going to see the opportunity to refinance into a lower rate? How about those with a 4% rate? Before the Fed decision, the U.S. Treasury will finish selling $296 billion worth of debt. That started with $123 billion worth of bills and $72 billion worth of notes yesterday, with the remainder set for auction today. The market did a good job of absorbing nearly $200 billion worth of bills and notes to open the week. Good news, as prices of Treasuries declining would likely ultimately increase mortgage rates. The current average mortgage rate is just under 6.5%. Despite elevated inflation and interest rates, consumer spending among Americans rose a strong 2.3% in April from a year earlier. It's a bit puzzling that people aren't cutting back when almost everything is more expensive. Today brings the aforementioned all-important May CPI report. Headline CPI increased 0.1%, exactly as expected month over month, and 4.1% year over year, with the core reading rising 0.4% month over month, as expected, and 5.3% year over year versus 0.4% and 5.5% previously. Real weekly earnings were down 0.7% when it was seen declining 0.1% month over month. This means the Fed is likely to pause tomorrow. Prior to CPI, markets received an update on NFIB small business optimism for May, as if anyone cares about that. (laughs) Later today brings Redbook's aims for sales, a treasury auction of $18 billion of reopened 30-year bonds, and the beginning of the Fed's two-day FOMC meeting. After the inflation data, 30-year agency MBS prices are better by a quarter to three-eighths, and the 10-year is yielding 3.70, after closing yesterday at 3.77%, the two years at 4.53%. Let's wrap up with a joke and some housekeeping. A renowned philosopher was held in high regard by his chauffeur, who listened in awe at every speech over the years while his boss would easily answer questions about morality and ethics. Then one day, the chauffeur approached the philosopher and asked if he was willing to switch roles for the evening's lecture. The philosopher agreed, and for a while, the chauffeur handed himself remarkably well. When it came time for questions from the guests, a woman in the back asked, Is the epistemological view of the universe still valid in an existentialist world? That's an extremely simple question, he responded. So simple, in fact, that even my driver could answer that, which is exactly what he will do. (laughs) thanks again to today's podcast sponsor simple nexus the home ownership platform that unites the people systems and stages of the mortgage process into one seamless end-to-end solution that spans engagement origination closing incentive compensation and business intelligence to learn more about simple nexus and encino company visit simplenexus.com If you have any questions about the podcast or sponsoring opportunities, send me an email at Robbie at robchrisman.com. Visit robchrisman.com for more information on our industry partners, access to archived commentaries, and how to subscribe to the daily mortgage news and commentary. To listen to or download past episodes of this podcast, search Mortgage News on any platform you get your podcast from.